0: Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com. Today, being Pentecost, celebrating the birth of Jesus' church, amen? The ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones who are called by his name. It's a powerful day. This is the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out for the first time and went inside of his people for the first time. Before this, the Holy Spirit came upon people and left. It was a habit or a visitational covenant. Say visitational. The new covenant became a habitational covenant where he came and stayed. He'll never leave nor forsake you. So once you say yes to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and it's never going away. No matter how you feel, no matter what you do, no matter how bad you mess up, he will not be made a liar by your poor choices. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You aren't that cool. You can't make him a liar. So that's worth celebrating, amen? This was a monumental shift in the, in the timeline of the earth. And so we have been in this series in the last couple of weeks, and today is the end of it, um, answering the question, why are we here? Why do we gather in person? If one thing uh, COVID showed us is that we can do a lot of things online with new technology and everything like that, amen? And it was beautiful. There was fruit of families worshiping in their homes with their, with their loved ones for the first time at their house, amen? We, did anyone see that? Yeah, was that beautiful? Yeah, that's awesome. And God used it for his glory because that's what he does. He uses... He takes uh, ashes and makes beauty. He takes broken things and makes them wonderful, right? So we had to ask this question. Why do we do this? Why do we come together physically? And uh, without recapping everything, you can go back and watch the uh, the way we've answered that question the last couple weeks. But today, I want to look at the day of Pentecost, when they were all gathered in one place, the 120 gathered in one room. So just so you know the timeline, Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen? Amen? Say that really happened. It's not a fairy tale, man. Flesh and bone is on the throne. Jesus Christ rose from the grave and sat down at the right hand of the Father and is now in the resting place. And so that preceded, that came right after he said to them, Go and wait for the gift of the Father. He said, Go and wait. Go and wait. For the gift of the Father, the gift, which is the Holy Spirit. And so they responded with obedience. Some of them actually, this is only a percentage of those he commanded. So not everyone waited. Only some went and waited. But 120 was how many were gathered in that room. And in Acts uh, chapter 1, it lists the the 11 disciples. You know, it lists some people's names. But I just want to point out there's another 109 people in that room, you know. And who were they? Yes, the disciples were fishermen, former fishermen, right? Former tax collectors. Maybe there were former Pharisees that followed Jesus. Maybe there were, maybe the leper who returned him when the 10 were cleansed. Remember that story? He cleansed 10 lepers and only one came back to follow him. Maybe that leper, the former leper who had been healed was in that room. I can tell you a bunch of women were in that room because you call a prayer meeting and the women show up. (laughs) I know because I call prep meetings and I'm the only dude, you know. (laughs) It's weird. Anyway. So women were there, fishermen, tax collectors, former Pharisees, lepers, the outcasts of society were all gathered in one place. Something had shifted. They were gathered not around their cultural sameness but around the sun. There was a new source of unity in that room something else beyond their culture, beyond their normal, had gathered them. Think of the list. Think of the people who could be there. There's a lot of people who were touched by Jesus that were not written down, you know? I mean, he did so much that not all the books of the world could contain it, right? End of John says that. So imagine all the people who were, uh, maybe the poor. Imagine all the the poor people that he ministered to, that he healed. Uh, So many poor people, right? What if it's just a room full of... Homeless guys, I'm trying to step, help you step into this moment. There are so many people in this room, maybe, maybe the ones who nobody wanted ever, you know. That would be a leper. And women weren't allowed to read, all that. So in this day and age, this is a, a, a grouping of those who have no reason to come together. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Except for the Son of God himself. I think that's important as we read. We're going to read Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. And this describes the very first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, okay? Here's what it says. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Say one place. One place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. Whee! That's what it says. It is not suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. No? The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Imagine this, like, from heaven, just crazy stuff. This was not a normal gathering. You think what just happened for a few minutes was a little weird? Okay. Hallelujah. It gets better. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages, say languages, they had never learned. Now, at that time, there were were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands. Say many different lands. To live in Jerusalem, when the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from. Stunned over what was happening, because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Say language. Language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans? Let me translate this for you. None of these guys are like us. They don't come from where we come from. They don't look like us. They're not supposed to sound like us, but we understand them. Aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? And then this is on purpose. It lists the, the, the people groups that were there. We are northeastern Iranians, northwestern Iranians, Elamites, and those from Mesopotamia, Judea, east-central Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, north-central Turkey, southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans who are neighbors of Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. That's quite a list. I would call that a diverse church gathering Yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialects. Say dialects. Dialects. They all stood there dumbfounded. Dumbfounded, astonished, saying to one another, what is this phenomenon? What is this phenomenon? What is happening here? How can this be? The Lord showed me for the first time this week, he highlighted that list of all those different people groups. And he showed me for the first time that the birth of the church was all-inclusive. The very first act of God and his people was not raising the dead. It wasn't healing the lame man at the gate beautiful. It wasn't some mighty miracle. It wasn't some prophetic word. It was the ability to communicate with people who are different. The birth of the church. Consisted of the ability to be understood by people who are other. God used a bunch of outcasts to speak out to those who shouldn't have understood them. This is the birth of the church. You remember the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11? Remember the Tower of Babel? You remember what happened? They were, if you don't know the story, they were building a tower up to God. And they were able to do it because they spoke the same language. And God said, I can't have this. I can't have them thinking they're supposed to build to me. I'm supposed to come to them. I can't have them thinking it's their works that reaches the heavens. It's my works that brings the heavens down. I can't have them unifying like this because that's not the way I need them to understand my love. Works-based righteousness. There's many towers of Babel in our church. So just let you know still trying to build things up to heaven trying to get everyone to agree on a certain thing so we can reach god god is not in that that is not the spirit of the lord the spirit of the lord says it is finished now enjoy (laughs) celebrate me what i did not not look to your own works you know you're not getting holier right you're discovering his holiness in you So he confuses their languages. You remember this? You can read it in Genesis 11. He confuses them. Breaks them up into different dialects. The day of Pentecost, he undid that very thing. He reversed it. He, by the Spirit, gave them the ability to do the opposite, to communicate and unify, to understand one another. They were unified in the wrong spirit at the Tower of Babel. The right spirit came and unified the many at the day of Pentecost. The birth of the law. You remember this? Moses came down off the mountain with the tablets. You know, that's why I preach with one. Yeah. That's just a bad church joke. That's bad. Sorry. Couldn't help it. Moses came down the mountain with the tablets of stone, saw the people engaging in wickedness, doing awful things, worshiping idols, right? The golden calf, all that. And he stood at the gate and he said, all who are for God, come to me. And the Levites came out and separated themselves from the rest. There became an us and a them. The Tower of Bowel became an us and a them. The giving of the law became an us and a them. The holy ones and the wicked ones. Do you know how many people died that day? 3,000 died by the sword. 3,000 died by the sword the day the law was given. The day of Pentecost came, the right spirit came, and 3,000 were added to their number. 3,000 were born again. Why? Because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The day of Pentecost is all about breaking down the walls of hostility that exist between people. The day of Pentecost is all about breaking apart the us and them paradigm. Why else would that be the first act of the, of the Spirit of God and His people? That, that day tells me this. Jesus Christ is the only person who has the right to say these words. If you're not for me, you're against me. Only Jesus is allowed to utter that. You and I don't have that opportunity. It's not us or them. It's us for them. Yes. It's us for them. Any us versus them paradigm is illegal in the kingdom of God. Any us versus them paradigm. Anytime you dehumanize a group, you are not operating in the same spirit that was poured out at Pentecost. God's first act through the church was a supernatural invitation to multiple people groups from all over the known world. A supernatural invitation. The birth of the church was marked by the ability to speak and be understood by many different nationalities. Many different ethnic groups were able to hear the wonders of God. The word tongues that I had to repeat over and over again, dialects, that word in the Greek literally means a nation distinguished by its language. The language of a nation. They spoke the languages of multiple nations. When the Bible says, go make disciples of every nation, it's not talking about... Bulgaria, I have some friends from Bulgaria here. It's not talking about the U.S. It's not talking about, you know, Uzbekistan and Iran. And It's talking about people groups. The word is people groups. Go make disciples of every people group. Bring them into the kingdom. Invite them into becoming a kingdom people. I was talking to my friend, Pastor Matt Maldonado, this week, and he said something beautiful. He says, my culture is a subculture to the kingdom. He said, My culture, he's a Puerto Rican man. My wife is Puerto Rican. I'm very white, if you can't tell. I'd just like to announce that white is a color. I'm not translucent, I'm white, all right? So, anyway, (laughs) I'm trying to help you laugh through some of the stuff, you know, because if we don't approach with hope, what are we doing, right? Come on. I'm not making light of anything. No pun intended. (laughs) they spoke in the language of the nation around them the dialects the tongues and it proved that our cultures are subcultures to the kingdom culture the kingdom culture says every person made in the image of god is to die for invaluable every single one no matter what they look like my god thinks you're to die for i can say that to every person on the planet Let me say something that might sound difficult, but I promise it'll help. We cannot hope to continue to grow as the church. I'm talking about the Capital C Church. I'm talking about everyone watching online from all over the nation and some people from the world. We have uh, some friends from Malaysia that tune in every week. Hello, Malaysia. We cannot hope to continue to grow as the Capital C Church if we do not learn to speak the language of the other by the spirit of the living God in us. We cannot ignore our brothers and sisters from different backgrounds, especially not in their time of need. This is a predominantly white church. It is. I'm no fool. I have eyes. Yeah. Are we okay? Let me just say something to you. I'm going to read it because I chose my words very carefully because I care. Amen. Let me read this to you. If our feeling of the Spirit on this day, on any day, our feeling of the Spirit when we are together does not translate into empathy for those who are different than us, we are not being filled with the same Spirit that was poured out at Pentecost. I'm going to say it again. If our feeling of the Spirit when we're together does not translate into empathy for those who are different than us, We are not being filled with the same spirit that was poured out at Pentecost. If our time together as a gathering does not translate into time with people outside of our group. If our time together does not create a desire to invite others who are different into the kingdom. If our time together does not grace us with the ability to see and communicate with those who are of other nationalities. And if we do not come together and are marked by the same spirit of love that cries out to all, then our time together is worthless. Worthless. It's just another holy huddle. It's just an us and them. It's just an in and an out. I'm not talking about black and white only. I'm talking about us, them. That is the spirit that's wreaking havoc in the world right now. You understand these things? This is a spirit It's an ancient spirit. It's an ancient spirit that wants us divided as people. You know when it says the accuser of the brethren accuses them day and night? The word accuser is the Greek word categoros. It's where we get the word category from. You want to know how he accuses? He categorizes. And you and I partner with the devil when we have an us and a them. The categorizer. They're not like you. See, they do these things. They, them, us. You're not like them. You do this stuff. I'm speaking to the principality that's going on right now in our world. We got to move beyond the obvious and into the opportunity the opportunity of unity, of empathy, of love for our neighbor. Period. Love thy neighbor. Period. No qualifications on what neighbor is. The one near you. It's because the Holy Spirit is upon us for a purpose. The Holy Spirit is not upon us for us. You understand? The Holy Spirit is within us for you. The Holy Spirit is within you for you. Sealed for the day of redemption. Amen? Eternally sealed for the day of redemption when you say yes to Jesus. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit inside you. That's the mark of the Holy Spirit inside you. But the Holy Spirit coming out of you is not for you. It's not for you to shake, bake, and have a goosebump. I like those things. I like it when the Lord touches my body and I can't stand up. I like it. I like him. I like Jesus. I like him poking me in the forehead every now and then and be like, uh-uh. I like it. I enjoy those things. But that's the Holy Spirit coming up and on us and it's not for us if the holy spirit comes upon you today it's for them Amen. it's for those who don't know him that's what i mean by them holy spirit inside you is for you holy spirit upon you is for everyone else listen you, people i love that meme I say uh there's an argument and they say do you really need the holy spirit to go to heaven i'm like you need the holy spirit to go to walmart I need the Holy Ghost to go home today. All right? I need the Holy Ghost to be a dad. I need the Holy Holy Ghost to be a husband. I need the Holy Spirit to come upon me to love you. Not by might nor by strength, strength by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Jesus told us what the spirit coming upon us was for. And Luke chapter 4, 18 through 19. This is the messianic mandate. This is the announcement of his ministry. He said, the spirit of the Lord is up on me. And he has anointed me to be hope for the poor. Freedom to the brokenhearted. And new eyes for the blind. To preach to the prisoners, you are set free. I have come to share the message of jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. This is not the time of God's great exclusion. This is the time of God's great acceptance. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. When you're around the poor, do they get hopeful? When you're near the brokenhearted, do they find freedom? Freedom. When you find someone who cannot see the reality of the situation, do they actually get new eyes or do they get more mad around you or listening to your timeline on Facebook? When you're around a prisoner, do they hear a message of freedom? Do they find freedom? The oppressed, do they get the burdens lift off their shoulders? If not, the spirit of the Lord needs to rise up on you. And that's what it's for. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Psalm thirty-four eighteen. it says this. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. If we're not moving towards those who are brokenhearted, if we're not looking to help those who are crushed in spirit, we are certainly not advancing the kingdom, and we're in danger of slowing it. Because you carry his name. You know, you're called to represent God on the earth. Present God again, represent God. You carry his name, a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And if in your following, you don't find the brokenhearted, you don't go to them, you don't help those crushed in spirit, certainly not events in the kingdom i'm certainly not events in the kingdom we're certainly not events in the kingdom we are in danger of slowing it down nothing's going to stop it but you know what'll speed it up or slow it down your tongue the black community is broken hearted right now Black community is crushed in spirit right now over George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, over a litany of other names we could say. Are we moving towards them? I'm going to give you three things. I'm instructing. If you call the rest in place your home, I'm telling you what to do. I'm telling you to do three things. And you don't have to come back. It can make you mad. I don't care. Hallelujah, honestly. I'm on a mission and anyone who wants to come on that mission can come. My mission is peace reigning in my city. Here's what I'm telling you to do. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm telling you to do this. Step number one, listen. Stop talking and listen. Listen. Number two, slow down. Slow way down. Stop making judgments. Stop sharing things just because somebody you like shared it or trust or whatever. Slow down. I'm talking to my church right now. I'm talking to anyone online who calls this place their home church. I lead this thing. This is my instruction to you. Listen. Slow down. Number three, educate yourself. Learn. A resource I would highly recommend is The Third Option by Miles McPherson. He says, us, them, are two options. The third option is honor everyone. That's what he says. I don't know the man, but he carries that core value. And that book is incredible. The third option. The third option is honor. It sees the image of God in you. And this is what I believe God is doing in this day of Pentecost, this specific Pentecost 2020. You know, we celebrate it every year, right? This Day of Pentecost in 2020, God is releasing tongues of fire, but it's not the kind you're thinking of. There are many types of tongues in the Bible. There are tongues like on the day of Pentecost where they spoke someone else's language. There are heavenly tongues of angels, Paul said. He said, if I speak in the tongues of angels but have not love, I am nothing, right? He said, I speak in in tongues more than all of you, but when I come to you, I'd rather say five intelligent words than 10,000 you don't understand, right? Right? He speaks in a language you can't understand. That's one type of tongue. And then there's the kind of tongue that's actually a living language on the earth, right? Let me tell you the tongue the Lord wants to release today. It's the tongue of reconciliation. God is releasing the tongue of reconciliation. Anyone who wants it can have it. Here's why. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. It says, so then, from now on, We have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. Hello? For that's how we once viewed the anointed one. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. When I say we need to move past the obvious and into the opportunity, that's what I'm talking about. Move beyond the limited human insight. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Hallelujah. Anyone in Christ is a new creation, right? All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. Say that with me. The ministry of reconciling others to God. The ministry of reconciliation. Whenever you accuse someone, you are in the ministry of condemnation. Yeah. But when, when you invite someone, you're operating in the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, it was through the, as it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping a record of their transgressions, keeping no record of wrongs. Yeah. You want to know how to love people? Stop keeping a record of their wrongs. not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We shut that door when we accuse. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. This is the tongue of reconciliation. Yes, Lord, help us. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Today, he's releasing a tongue of reconciliation, and he's marking reconcilers. He's marking you. He's marking us as reconcilers, as peacemakers. We're not peacekeepers. We make peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of a person amidst every conflict. It's the prince of peace ruling and reigning in our hearts. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com.